What's up and welcome in to another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. It's WrestlingTWT. If you've missed previous episodes, go back in the archives. You can find it on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you download your podcast. As always, I appreciate you just giving me a few minutes of your time as we talk about pro wrestling slash sports entertainment. I've been doing it for years and enjoy being able to share some thoughts with you. Well, you hear the theme for Daniel Bryan, and there's a reason. By the time you hear this podcast, I'm sure that you've read the news from Fightful Select and also from Wrestling Observer. And I'll read from The Observer. D- Dave Meltzer has confirmed that Daniel Bryan's contract expired this past Friday and that WWE is pushing hard for him to sign a new deal. Fightful Select were the first to report the news saying that the contract has expired or was set to expire. They also said that this does not necessarily mean that he's leaving WWE and he's been vocal about doing unconventional work with and for the WWE. Now, you know, Roman Reigns lost to Daniel Bryan on WWE SmackDown this past Friday. As a result of the loss, Bryan was quote-unquote banished from the brand, so he's no longer part of SmackDown. I want to talk about Daniel Bryan just for a second with you because Daniel Bryan was the people's champion. Uh, not the catchphrase from The Rock, and you've heard the People's Champion before from Muhammad Ali years ago. People's Champ is a little different when it comes to sports entertainment for me because I truly think that of all the bullshit that we watch on Raw and SmackDown, NXT at times, you cut through all that and you look at certain wrestlers that fans just can't get enough of. Cesaro is one of those guys. Daniel Bryan is one of those guys as well. Daniel Bryan has has been with the company for a long time, but you remember how he started, right? Daniel Bryan comes in and is part of the is part of this ridiculous thing where the Miz is coaching Daniel Bryan on how to wrestle. Part of that NXT brand in the early days. And I think if you are a wrestling fan, maybe not a sports entertainment fan, but if you're a pro wrestling fan, you know how good Brian Danielson was. The Dragon was all world. I paid good money to see Brian Danielson wrestle in ROH. Going to Chicago Ridge, going to wherever ROH was in the Midwest, to see him wrestle CM Punk or to see him wrestle Samoa Joe, awesome. So when he comes to the WWE, I'm like, really? You're going to shortchange this guy just because he doesn't look like Bobby Lashley? Because he doesn't look like Roman Reigns? Because he's not 6'8 with rippling muscles? See, that's a problem with the WWE. Two things. One, you take a look at Vince McMahon as someone who only looks at the big guys. He's going through the cycle again. Watch Raw now. Watch SmackDown. You know he's trying to get over? The big guys. The big tall guys. Instead of just taking a look at pure talent... The other thing is what Daniel Bryan is, is that Daniel Bryan already knew how to wrestle. And he was a wrestler's wrestler. Still is today. Still is. A guy that is a difference maker for a company if you just feature him properly. But no, he suspended Daniel Bryan for trying to choke out Justin Roberts with a tie. And Daniel Bryan was the ultimate underdog. And so even though fans across the country, not just on TV, house shows, People were behind Daniel Bryan because he, he was not the WWE mold. Because he wasn't the guy that Vince would see as a face of a company. But the fans wanted him. They cheered for it for years. 
Finally, they put the championship on him. The problem is that Daniel Bryan had an injury, and he had several injuries as a wrestler with the company. And so when he was healthy, he didn't stay on top. But in the fans' eyes, he was on top. But for Vince McMahon, never the guy. Daniel Bryan, to me, is in the same boat of a CM Punk or a Rey Mysterio, those, including Kofi Kingston, that won the championship, but was never the guy. You know, to Vince McMahon, if you don't look 6'8", 330, if you're not the biggest of the big, if you don't have an outlandish personality, you just don't have a shot. When I watched Brian Danielson at ROH, I didn't care about his facials. I didn't care about the yes champ because he didn't have those things. You know what he had? Grit. He was an attraction because of the way he wrestled. Because he would bleed. Because he would stretch guys. Because he would make them scream. All these things. He was just a wrestler's wrestler. Fun to watch. Not niche at all, in my view. Because if you feature him the way that the WWE featured Chris Benoit in particular, Benoit didn't have facials. He wasn't a guy that was you know, over the top as far as being demonstrative. He was never that guy. You know what he was? He was just a wrestler. Bret Hart, you know what he was? A wrestler. He had a great promo, a great promo for sure, but he wasn't a guy that you looked at and said, boy, you know, it's that Bret personality that gets me. Him being kind of a person that toned down his personality, toned down who he was, was an attraction because he wasn't posing. He wasn't a guy that just only had four moves. He wasn't a guy to only give you 10 minutes on a house show when you paid good money to see him go 20 or 25. Brian Danielson was that guy that you'd see and you'd say, boy, when he takes on, you know, Claudio Castagnoli or CM Punk or Samoa Joe or, or whomever, you knew you were going to get something special. Uh, Nigel McGinnis, same thing. You knew at ROH he was going to give you something special. But you know that the ultimate for a lot of wrestlers is to go to the top. Go to the WWE. Find out how you can work the sports entertainment angle. And so when I saw that Brian Danielson's contract's up, the first thing I thought of as well, if I'm Brian Danielson, if he really feels like he can get into the ring and is up to being able to have better challenges than the sports entertainment side of the WWE, because look at that, look at the company. Who else is he going to face that's going to impress you? You're going to be like, wow. If he only took on, what, Lashley? If he only took on, what, it just wrestlers are either on this Raw and SmackDown brand, what difference does it make? We've seen it forever. Now, if he went to NXT, that would be a different story because that's him helping the young generation of athletes or some of the veterans that need a great challenge. Or if he went to NXT UK and he took on Volter or Dragunov or some of the talent there, the Coffee Brothers, now we're talking about different new challenges. And I don't know if that's what Daniel Bryan is going to do or if that's where he's going. Point is, though, is that that would be new within the company of the WWE. Outside of that, I would root for him to be in New Japan. I would root for him to be at MLW or to the NWA. Just something different, right? Different challenges. I don't even put AEW in there because it's already a smorgasbord of wrestlers that can't even get meaningful TV time on the main show, Dynamite. So I'm not, I'm not worried about Daniel Bryan going to, the, uh, to AEW. I'd love for him to go someplace else. And if he goes to AEW, that's fine. But I would prefer for him to have kind of the Brian Danielson style that we saw in the past. He's always been the people's champion. 
And it didn't matter if it was at the Hammond Civic Center in a small arena or if it was at Wembley Stadium, that dude was over because of the yes chance. That's one part of it. The other part of it is is that the guy can go. He would he'd wrestle and had the fans behind him. That irked the shit out of Vince McMahon. You know it did. You know it did. You know that it wasn't his machine, his marketing, that pushed Brian Danielson to the point he was, to the epic proportions he was for the WWE brand. What's the point of him coming back? The only way I would come back from Brian Danielson is if, when they give me the opportunity to be in the Hall of Fame. And eventually that is going to happen. What else does he have to prove in the WWE? It's like, kind of like Cesaro, right? Free agent and then resigns. It's like, why? Why? For one WrestleMania win so you get buried again? I don't understand. I think the WWE definitely is the top of the top, and you know that too as far as their marketing, the money that they draw, the fans they draw for their big events, their tentpole events, having this billion-dollar deal with Peacock and also other TV deals around the country. But otherwise, if you're a wrestler, it's only a few wrestlers that can actually get over in that company because Vince McMahon can't get wrestlers over. The wrestlers are ready to get over, but they're not pushed to get over. And it's just amazing to me. If you go back and listen to my episode about Nick Khan, the WWE president, he's just using all the talking points of Vince McMahon about how difficult it is to be able to have wrestlers get over. Oh, where do you find the next Hulk Hogan? Where do you find the next Stone Cold Steve Austin? Well, you know, those guys, you know, Steve Austin in particular was just a mid-carder. But there is a way to be able to get wrestlers over. It's not the 1990s, I get that. But I would be insulted if I'm a WWE wrestler on any of those brands to think that, well, the next big star is not in this locker room. Why isn't it? The promoter is the one that gets that done. So the same thing with Daniel Bryan. Bryan had to get over for himself. And that irks Vince McMahon. So I don't know what happens next with uh, Daniel Bryan. My hope is, is that he's in a different company so we can see shades of the Daniel Bryan we used to see. Let me get to this story from Impact Wrestling. This came down on Wednesday afternoon. So, Impact Wrestling, the company in which you say, boy, the Impact Wrestling will just never die. TNA will never die. Well, TNA, that brand is dead in some ways, but Impact Wrestling is still alive. Listen to this. Impact Wrestling partners with Samsung TV Plus bringing two decades of new and classic wrestling content to the platform on both dedicated Impact Wrestling channel and VOD. So here's what it says. Impact Wrestling, one of the world's largest professional wrestling organizations, okay, announced today a landmark agreement with Samsung TV Plus giving viewers unprecedented access to Impact's extensive library of premium professional wrestling content through both and dedicated Impact Wrestling channel and on VOD, Video On Demand. The partnership expands Impact's considerable reach even further, making its program lineup available today to millions of Samsung TV Plus users across the U.S. Samsung TV Plus is one of the leading free ad-supported streaming services offering viewers instant access to over 160 channels packed with news, entertainment, and more, blah, blah, blah. 
So, James Pollock, the Anthem Chief Revenue Officer for its sports media group, says we're excited to share our deep generating uh, spanning library with Samsung TV Plus audience, uh, giving wrestling fans both old and new a chance to be able to uh, watch Impact Wrestling. And so that's the story from Impact Wrestling. The company that will never die, right? The company that has moved now to Samsung Plus. So if you are into Impact Wrestling and you want to see their entire library, they're on Samsung Plus. It, it is amazing how these streaming services are working. Where now in wrestling, these wrestling companies are trying to make deals to be able to have either solid TV, places where they can stream, and Impact Wrestling was some of the classic wrestling. And I will tell you this. I see a lot of the old Impact Wrestling, the old TNA brand Impact Wrestling on Twitch. And I look back at it and I say, what happened to this company? Meaning that even though they were at the fairgrounds in Nashville, Tennessee with their TV tapings and at the early days, and then they went to Orlando, the wrestling, when it's, once it was in the ring, for the most part, it was solid. People look at it and say, oh, Jeff Jarrett, there was too much Jeff Jarrett as champion, and Vince Russo in there, and Jim Cornette was in there, and you know, just too much confusion with the booking, and you know, there was too much of uh, the owner trying to get on TV. I understand that. The Dixie Carter regime was checkered with a lot of odd things, that is for sure. But I think one thing about Impact Wrestling, especially in the past, was, man, look, you can start your own company. You say, you know what I want? I want Eric Bischoff. I want Hulk Hogan. I want Kevin Nash. I want Scott Hall. I want Kurt Angle. I want Booker T. I want uh, Randy Savage. I want Christian. You know, I I want the best of the best from WCW. And also those that are coming over for the WWE. I want Samoa Joe. You know, I want all these wrestlers, including AJ Styles. I want Scott Steiner. I want Bully Ray. It goes on and on. I'm just going off the top of my head of just wrestlers I remember at TNA. You can have all these wrestlers, and it doesn't mean that you're going to win a ratings war. It doesn't mean that you're going to be one of the top shows on cable. And that's what it proved. Looking on Twitch, some of the classic Impact Wrestling stuff, it's like, wow, these matches are fantastic. There's a young Christopher Daniels in there. There's a Frankie Kazarian. Wow, there's a, a Jay Lethal. They're like, on and on. There's a Ric Flair. On and on and on. It does not matter. It does not matter. You can have the best roster of wrestlers as available that's not WWE guys, and you could clearly lose your ass. Lose huge money if you're not marketing the company right. All the talent in the world, and you can actually lose. You can lose your audience. You can lose money. You lose fans. And that really is the history of Impact Wrestling. But I'm happy that they're still alive because now they're on Samsung TV. One other side note about Impact Wrestling I want to talk about. So I did not do a separate pay-per-view as far as Kenny Omega in winning the Impact Championship. I did not do that because I just wanted to just point out something. So the relationship between Impact Wrestling and AEW is interesting. And we'll talk about companies and their relationships in just a moment. I find it interesting that Impact Wrestling and AEW hooked up. A lot of people don't have, don't get a chance to have access to Impact Wrestling. 
And there's some things that I like about the company, some things I don't, just like any company. There's good, there's good solid wrestling there. Sometimes there's this WWE sports entertainment silliness in it, and I just, you know, I don't get that. Sometimes it's a flashback to the late '90s. Sometimes it's just something that is it's not great television for me. But once it's in the ring, there's some good stuff there. And I don't really know who their audience is. I know when they had Bomb for Glory here, I went, and it was a really great house uh, at the Odom in Villa Park, Illinois. So that that was cool. But you know. So, Kenny Omega comes in there and wins the Impact Championship. If you are like a diehard TNA slash Impact Wrestling fan, aren't you pissed right now? Like, there is more awareness for sure with Impact Wrestling because Kenny Omega won the championship. I I, I understand that. But what does that ultimately do for Impact Wrestling as far as them having their own champion in place and being able to ride or die with that champion or, or just saying, hey, you know, Kenny Omega will dip in and out of the company, but there's nothing like having your own company champion doing things. It's almost like it's almost like AEW said, let me bail you out. I'll give you Kenny Omega, but we have to win your championship. And clearly Don Callis and the powers that be with Anthem are like, yeah, absolutely. But everyone doesn't have access TV. I have it. But everybody doesn't have access TV, so it's hard to follow. Remember, this same Impact Wrestling was on, like, some Hunter Channel outdoor network or something. It was on Twitch exclusively for a while because they didn't have a TV deal. They were on Spike, and they got they got taken off of Spike. I mean, it's, it's something where it's like, okay, now AEW Impact is doing business. Does Impact Wrestling's business raise to a major level when they go back on the road because Kenny Omega is the champion? See, it's like if the champion from another company comes in and beats your champion, then what does that say for your champion and your roster? Isn't there someone on the roster like Eddie Edwards that can carry the mail for this company or Moose? (laughs) You know, I don't know. Or EY. I mean, they, like, Eric Young was a champion, like, for a second. Came from the WWE, was a champion. I'm like, yeah, okay, there's a champion you can get behind. Boom, we lose a championship. I'm like, transitional champion for EY? That's strange. I don't know. I just think it's a head-scratcher. It's just a side note I just wanted to bring up. I don't know where it, what happens with Impact uh, as far as their relationship with AEW moving forward, but I just think that that's interesting. Let's get to the main event. Triple H versus Chris Jericho. So let's get into it because I've been reading about it and I want to talk to you about it. So there have been a number of stories that's been out there regarding Chris Jericho and his thoughts about AEW and Triple H and his thoughts about um, the NXT brand. Now, everyone has read this. I'm not going to tell you anything that you don't know. But we have seen here where Chris Jericho... And Triple H have been trading barbs going back and forth about what's been said. Who's the better company? Is there a rivalry? Is there not a rivalry? So let's talk about this for a second because I want to give you the quotes. So, my friends, let's get into it. So I saw this in Bleach Report. I have not heard the interview yet with Triple H talking to Peter Rosenberg from Cheap Heat, the wrestling podcast Cheap Heat. Here is the... Triple H quote referring to the rivalry between AEW and NXT as an imaginary war 
on Wednesday nights. The promotional opportunity for us is much better on a Tuesday. And also, then not having to have the narrative where it's just constantly about an imaginary war or this imaginary battle. And you know, people can say what they want, but the truth is, the truth of the matter is, you compete against everything. If you're creating a TV product or content, that is the world that we live in. It's content, not television. It's not the internet. It's everything. So you're constantly competing for eyeballs and time against everything under the sun, including sleep and time to do other things and video games and TikTok and everything else that's out there. That's the quote from Triple H. Uh, it will be a, it will be there for the rest of time, says Triple H, regarding the imaginary war. Uh, and if it wasn't a war, why do they take Wednesday night, the same night that we had? Now, this is from Chris Jericho, right? The, talking about the imaginary war. He go, Jericho goes on to say, It was there to take away our ratings and for us not to get re-signed. Three months after that started, we were re-signed to hundreds of millions of dollars extension. They failed. This Bleacher Report story also says, after more than a year, AEW and NXT going head-to-head on Wednesday nights, NXT moved to Tuesdays on April 13th, marking the end of the Wednesday night wrestling war, regardless of whether it was real or imagined. So let me just update this. So NBC pulled out of the hockey deal. They were going to re-sign for hockey, and that was the original reason why that NXT was going to go to Tuesday nights because Wednesday night hockey is one of the primetime spots for the National Hockey League. But now that the NHL is part of ESPN, ESPN Plus, and now Turner, part of TBS, TNT, Bleacher Report, like all that, right? So NXT will just go to Tuesday nights. And quite frankly, they should go to Tuesday nights for this reason. The reason why that... It's good for NXT, whether it's hockey or not, to go to Tuesday nights. The reason why is because AEW came out on top in that Wednesday night war 63 of the 75 times the brands went head-to-head. The AEW also won the demo 74 out of 75 times against NXT. AEW Dynamite had over 1 million viewers in each of its first two uncontested weeks before dropping to 889,000 last week. While NXT's ratings have been up as well, including 805,000 viewers three weeks ago. So, let me, let's me let talk about this just for a second. Because I've been seeing back and forth what Triple H and what um, uh, Chris Jericho has said. Triple H is chasing his own tail. You know the arrogance of the WWE, right? Nobody else matters. Who cares? Nobody else matters. It's an imaginary war. Triple H, my friends, is pissed. He's pissed off because he was trying to do something different than Raw and SmackDown. I'm an NXT fan. I'm an AEW fan. I like both brands because they both bring something different to the table. But from NXT standpoint, I saw them. I talked about this in a podcast here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. From the beginning, when you see like Bo Dallas on there and you see some of these wrestlers, it had an opportunity to show what they can do. It was cool. It's still cool. The problem is, is that, as Dave LaGreca told me from Busted Open a couple weeks ago, people are taking uh, taking out on Triple H's ass, the ratings, meaning that 
there's not a lot of people that are watching NXT as much as they are AEW because they look at it as a WWE extension of Raw and SmackDown, which it is not. It's a completely different show 80% of the time. There's, there's splashes of sports entertainment and silliness there. I don't like how, what they've done with Johnny Gargano and some of the other skits that they've done, but it's not insulting for two hours. It's just a segment or maybe two at, at best. But mostly, mostly it's really competition in the ring. But, you see, Triple H started this shit by, by talking about how, you know, that AEW is a piss-ant company, that they don't really matter. You remember at the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, he was talking about, you know, hey, you, you know, telling Billy Gunn, hey, you and your piss-ant company. Well, if they don't exist, if it's an imaginary war, why are you saying that? When NXT decided to go after AEW by putting their show on Wednesday nights, why did they do that? Because they want to take NXT, they want they want NXT to take AEW out. That's what happened. We could cl- see the, we could clearly see that, right? That's exactly what's happened. But I'll take it a step further. I find it fascinating that AEW has relationships with New Japan. With Impact Wrestling and AAA in Mexico. And my thought on that initially was, boy, you're so brand new. Do you have to bring all these companies in? I mean, establish your company, establish your base. But no, Tony Khan does it differently. He wants New Japan people in. He wants Impact Wrestling to be involved. He wants AAA to be involved. All these companies, right? Then all of a sudden, Triple H tweets out that the rumors are true about the forbidden door that MLW court Bowers company MLW has a working relationship with NXT. Well, well, why would they do that? (laughs) Why would triple H do that? Is it because Tony Khan has a working relationship with three other promotions and triple H like, well, uh, I better do this. I gotta do the same thing. Tony Khan's doing MLW is a fine wrestling company. It's one of my favorites to watch. One of the reasons why is because it's an hour. And number two, if they don't mind showing you a hybrid of different things. It's not just a pro wrestling show. They do a, not, a number of different things in that show that I enjoy. I just saw their show, and now they're going to be on Vice, by the way. If you have the Vice channel, they're going to be on there weekly. I'm so happy for them because they've been on YouTube for a long time. And so now they're going to be on, um, on Vice and, of course, there's wrestling content on Vice, so it, it's just a, a perfect marriage. So I think that that's great. But why does Triple H need to have a, a relationship with Court Bauer? Because he's afraid that Tony Khan is going to take MLW wrestlers too. And I'll, I'll, I'll take it yet another step. So what is Triple H going to do with MLW talent? Are we going to crush them? Are you going to have NXT talent crush Marshall Von Erich or... or you know, or their champions at MLW or low key. Some of those castoffs on the MLW brand, some of those guys were WWE guys. I wonder what low key thinks about that. After he was too small and too odd for Vince McMahon to understand because he didn't have this bright personality because he wasn't a sports entertainer. The dude was just a machine. I know that wasn't good enough, but he was a machine, right? So, so what does this do for like, uh, you know, Leo Rush, a, d- a former WWE guy, knowing that there's going to be a working relationship, or Tom Lawler, or Simon Gotch, again, former WWE guy, that is just, you know, is a great worker. 
you know, what's this do for uh, Joseph Samael? What's this do for like Davari or some of these other really good or King Mo or Myron Reed, a, a good up and coming talent, or Richard Holiday? Uh, you know, TJP again, guy was on the two hundred five live brand, TJP and TJ Perkins was was solid, and they didn't get it. He was in WWE now. So what's the work relationship? So what's going to happen? Like they're going to, you know, NXT people are just going to go over there to crush MLW guys. Now I've not talked to Court Bauer about this, the head of MLW, but it's something to think about, right? Like what's the point of that? You have wrestlers among wrestlers among wrestlers. In the 205 Live brand, you have people on Raw and SmackDown. They're sitting in catering. You can't bring those guys to NXT. You have NXT UK wrestlers that's waiting to be able to give an opportunity on a main stage. What about your own company? We have a work relationship uh, with MLW. Uh, the rumors are true. Uh. You're following and chasing your own tail, Triple H. He's so pissed off that Tony Khan gets all the clicks, and he does. Because Tony Khan's willing to sit down and talk to you for hours about his company. And he has a brand that's working. In this era of streaming and TikTok and YouTube, wherever else you get your entertainment, somehow, some way, his company is drawing anywhere between 850000 and a million two, a million three. Now, that's not impressive to those of us that saw simple Saturday night wrestling shows drawing threes and fours back in the day. But for this generation, it's pretty cool that he's able to draw that number. And Triple H is doing fine, too, but it's it's in the top 30. It's the top 35, and usually in the 30s. NXT is a fine brand, but people are attracted to something new and fresh when it comes to AEW. It's, it's interesting. My advice to Triple H is look at your own backyard. How can you make your talent better? How can you make your show better? When it comes to takeovers, you have to watch the takeovers. They're great. Uh, AEW's already made some mistakes here and there. So, I just, um, I know that Triple H is not telling the truth when he says it's an imaginary war. No, it's a war. Because he wants to have his show as a winner. Just like SmackDown is from time to time on Fox or uh, Raw is on the USA Network. (laughs) I know Triple H probably looks in the mirror and is like, man, I'm the only show that's lagging behind the other two brands. We're lagging behind. Meanwhile, Tony Khan is out there talking his head off, all on the promo for on Impact Wrestling next to Tony Schiavone. He's bringing in Shaq. He's bringing in Snoop. He's doing all the stuff that WWE used to do by utilizing celebrities, by having outlandish matches, having some good matches as well. Jim Ross is there. Big Show's there. Christian's there. Miro's there. And he's thinking, damn. Why can't I have a successful product? How come we're not beating the competition? This is our developmental, and they're beating us like a drum week after week. And, yeah, they're on separate nights now, but that's not the point. Point is, is that it took everything, dropping the cow. It took them to do everything they could to beat AEW on that last show before they separated and, you know, NXT went to their own night again on Tuesdays. Stop following your own tail, Triple H. You have success. 
So no, so what Triple H now? He's got MLW. What else is he going to do? What what other independent companies will he take? Will he be part of the NWA and other places just to say we got him? That's eh, a dangerous game. Dangerous game. Well, we'll talk to you next time. I'm Jonathan Hood. Reach out to me on Twitter at WrestlingTWT or on Instagram at WrestlingTWT for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Thanks so much as always for listening. We'll talk to you next time on TWT. And tell people, Jonathan Hood Talks Wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. <laughs>